Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. For cultivating progress across the South, for working to unconditionally improve the lives of all, and for the bold underwriting of every gravy podcast, SFA thanks our visionary Louisville, Kentucky friends, Pam and Brooke Smith. In the American home kitchen, bouillon cubes can be controversial. If you learned to cook in the 1950s or 60s, or learned to cook from someone who learned to cook then, They were likely a staple in your pantry. Beginning in the 1970s, real cooks began to turn away from bouillon cubes in favor of homemade stocks and rendered fats. And around that time, the bouillon cube developed a bit of a reputation as a culinary wrecking ball, coming into the dish and leaving behind nothing but salt, with the side of salt. And in case there are no bouillon cubes in your pantry, here's what they are. Tiny, dehydrated cubes of flavor designed to be dissolved in water to create a quick broth. The American kitchen and the Western-trained cooks who inhabit those kitchens make up only a tiny fraction of the world's chefs. So it won't surprise you to know that in many international markets, and now in many grocery stores across the region, bouillon cubes are sold in packages labeled in Arabic, in French, in English, each with its own flavor profile specific to regional cuisines. John John. Golden beef. Poulet. Tomato. Ginger and garlic. Nija pot. A bouillon cube by any other name is likely made by Maggie, which is owned by Nestle. Today, our producers Katie Jane Fernelius and Ishan Thakor bring us the story of the Maggie Cube and its global journey from Switzerland across the global south to the kitchens of immigrants in the American South. And we'll learn why this little cube matters to so many. You're listening to Gravy. 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 A production of the Southern Foodways Alliance, Gravy tells the stories of the changing American South. Katie, Jane, and Ishan have the story. Uh, Okay, I remember one day one of our customers came to buy okra. This is Ola Toyan Adesheo, Toyan for short. She's a chef and owner of Toyan Takeout in Marietta, Georgia. I'm visiting her on a Thursday night as customers, who she says are all West Africans, come into her shop to order jollof rice, a goosey stew, plantain, and other Nigerian specialties. They look happy and like they're enjoying the food. But right now, Toyin is telling me a story about a time when a customer was a little less happy. And when I gave him the food, he said, Oh, I'm telling you, this food doesn't taste good. I said, good? That's okay. Okay, I'm coming. Let me check. I have to go inside and see the one I already cooked. Toyin wondered what could be wrong. So she went back to the kitchen to taste her okra soup. I tasted it. I was like, oh my God. Okay, now I missed something. With horror, Toyin realized she forgot one very important ingredient. Maggie. 
That's M-A-G-G-I, a popular bouillon cube in Nigeria. Okay, say, you know what, don't eat no more. Give me like five minutes. Let me come back and bring another soup for you. Satoyan went to the kitchen and quickly added some Maggi to her okra soup, correcting her mistake. Then when I came back, I told the customer, I said, okay, let's throw this one in. Let me give you another one. He, he, he took it and said, oh my God, this is... This is good now. What do you put inside? That's my secret ingredient. I'm not going to tell you. I forgot to put it <laughs> to put it what I'm cooking. I know it's Maggie that is missing that food. I used to live in Lagos, Nigeria, and I spent a lot of time there hanging out with Nigerian cooks. This included the woman cooking street food on my block, food bloggers, moms and homemakers, and chefs trained in high-end European restaurants. While Nigerian foodways encompasses a variety of cuisines, it felt like every cook I met in Lagos told me that Maggie is a secret ingredient in their kitchen. Now I live in New Orleans, and many of the Nigerian immigrants I know in the American South say the very same thing, including Toyin. There's none of Nigeria doesn't have Maggie. Everybody has to have it. Part of their daily use is the number one seasoning, Maggie. Maggie is arguably one of the more popular food brands in the world, well-known in many different countries. Just like some of us might call a tissue a Kleenex, many people across the world call bouillon cubes Maggie. It's that ubiquitous. And unless I specify otherwise, I'm doing just that when I say Maggie throughout this episode. I'm referring to bouillon cubes, even though there are many different Maggie products. So Maggie is the reason I'm speaking to Toyin who insists that for her and other Nigerian immigrants across the South, in Houston, Atlanta, Washington, D.C., Maggie cubes are a key ingredient in Nigerian cooking. And for Toyin, Maggie is the key to making Nigerian immigrants to the U.S. feel at home in her restaurant. There's a lot of people coming when they, when they come over there, here they first, oh my God, I feel like I'm, in, I'm at home. This is a traditional food. This is what I'm in craving for. This is what I've been looking for. This is what I really want. You can find countless posts on social media where people tease about their own love of Maggie. Here's TikToker Ayodaimi. For some reason, I can't cook any American food without adding Maggie. If you saw me making spaghetti, you would think I'm making jollof rice. At this point, I need to repent for my sins because there's actually no reason for me to be using Maggie like it's salt. Like, there's no reason. There are videos of people handing out Maggie cubes to trick-or-treaters or jokingly adding Maggie to their cereal. And it's not just Nigerians. Search Maggie on TikTok, and you'll see videos from across the globe and hashtags like Desi or Costa Rica or Malaysia. Maggie somehow manages to be both a global juggernaut and a hometown hero. It's like, no matter where in the world you grew up eating Maggie, it manages to symbolize the taste of home. So I wanted to know, how exactly did Maggie find its way into so many kitchens across the world, including Toyin's Kitchen in Marietta, Georgia? And then, how did Maggie come to emblematize the home cooking of so many different cultures around the world? I decided to begin answering this question by talking with Nadia Berenstein, a James Beard Award-winning food writer and a scholar of flavor. She told me that the story of the bouillon cube begins in the late 19th century with a Swiss scientist and entrepreneur by the name of Julius Maggi. 
who existed at a particular moment when a lot of food innovation and industrialization were going on. There was this drive to kind of condense things, remove all the things that you didn't need, and just to kind of imagine the food system or a human diet um, in terms of the bare minimum for thriving. As part of this drive, food scientists have been trying to figure out how to mass produce a quick and condensed version of bouillon, which they could then fortify with additional vitamins and nutrients and sell at a low price point. So they decided to study chicken broth. Now, in order to make chicken broth, you simmer chicken in water, maybe also with some vegetables and other aromatics, and over time, the chicken cooks and breaks down, becoming soft and releasing flavor. It takes hours. But during these hours, something incredible is happening called hydrolyzation. And that basically means blasting proteins apart into their constituent amino acids and other chunks. One of those amino acids is glutamate. You've probably heard of it. It's the G and MSG. Well, scientists figured out that it was glutamate that created the savory flavor. But now, food scientists need to figure out how to provide that same flavor in a concentrated form and in a way that could be mass-produced and shelf-stable, not to mention cheaper than the cost of meat. Here's where Julius Maggi came in. He said, hey, we have other sources of proteins besides animals. Let's try those. So he hydrolyzed some beans and lentils, then dehydrated them. And thus, in 1908, the Maggi bouillon cube was born. And its notes of salt and umami were remarkably similar to homemade chicken stock. And that was like a sensational product. It was wrapped in bright yellow. It had Maggi and Kube, uh, K-U-B, in big letters. The bouillon cube took off quickly, thanks to Maggie's marketing efforts and the promise of time-saving for home cooks. It even appeared in early Cubist paintings. In fact, Picasso featured the Maggie bouillon cube, that yellow K-U-B, in his 1912 painting, Landscape with Posters. Google it. Basically, this seemed like a new and exciting and modern product. Something that made sense for modern people living in modern cities to use to make their food even more intensely delicious. It would be easy to think of the bouillon cube as a one-to-one replacement for a homemade stock. And in its most literal use, it was. Add a cube to water, and you get this yellowy replica of stock that you can then pour into soups and stews. But on a deeper level, the bouillon cube was a replacement for so much more. The bouillon cube made available as a kind of convenience product the kind of flavors that it would have taken hours, days, weeks, and skill to build up. And what that did was essentially transform some of the ways that people cooked, where people spent less time in the kitchen, less time cooking, but still, you know, wanted to have the kind of intensity and savoriness and the feeling of like mouth-filling meatiness that slow-cooked stews um, that grandma would be stirring like over an old cast iron stove for hours or for an entire afternoon. Now you could just get it with with a shake of a bottle or by unwrapping a cube. So what these industrially hydrolyzed proteins in the form of 
bouillon-based seasonings and cubes were doing was essentially condensing time. And in 1947, another Swiss food company bought the brand and merged with it. You might know the company. Its name is Nestle. Nestle, in the post-war period, becomes a, a global company and Maggie becomes a global brand. This is when the brand really spread across the world. And instead of just having that one little Maggie cube, Nestle introduced a suite of new Maggie products. Soups, sauces, instant noodles. Some of the seasonings or cubes or bouillon cubes might include regional herbs or spices that are confluent with you know, Filipino cuisine or South Asian cuisine. So basically, there's a world of different Maggie's. Wherever Maggie products are sold, they're engineered to mimic regional cuisines. Maggie Masala, Maggie Nijapat, Maggie Magic Syrup. Maggie cubes in the Philippines include more garlic flavoring, while cubes in Poland are a little bit more sour. And by adapting to local and regional foodways and tastes, they kind of opened the door for regional and local cuisines to adapt to them. Even Nadia herself admits to a fondness for Maggie. My family is from Argentina, and we lived in kind of a multi-generational household in, in the suburbs of D.C., and my Nona did all the cooking, and she definitely used bouillon cubes and I still I mean there's this kind of like almost like crystalline saltiness and kind of like the tinge of yellow that they add to rice that I still really crave it just tastes like food that's going to make me feel better When we come back we'll hear the story of how Nestle marketed Maggie to the masses And we'll learn more about how this bouillon cube is finding its way back into pantries across the changing American South. But first... For over 125 years, Lodge has been crafting quality cookware in South Pittsburgh, Tennessee. It started with the iconic Lodge cast iron skillet made for cooking anything anywhere, and then turned to the seasoned cast iron Dutch oven and camp ovens. Now Lodge is making history with USA Enamel, the only line of colorful enameled cast iron made in the United States. And like all Lodge cast iron cookware, USA Enamel is designed to last for generations. Visit LodgeCastIron.com to purchase your own USA Enamel Dutch oven. For Lodge's longtime commitment to the Southern Foodways Alliance and this podcast, we thank them. Beginning in the mid-20th century, Maggie started to become integrated into so many different cultures' cuisines. In fact, if you travel anywhere in the world, you're likely to see its ads. Well, you ask any Nigerian, like you ask any typical Nigerian, like what you need in your kitchen. I promise you, like 11 out of 10 will say you need Maggie in your kitchen. This is Nigerian chef, writer, and activist Tunde Wei. He's a pal of mine. We met back when he was living in New Orleans, a few years after I became familiar with Maggie's hold on Lagos. I hopped on a call with him to discuss this. There's a... Maggie Home Kitchen. I, I even re- remember the song. You know, it's like, they love each other. Say, this food is lovely. Oh, it's so nice in Maggie Kitchen. 
So whatever, I have this song in my head and it's like, you know, this woman who's cooking all these very traditional Nigerian foods and she's teaching people how to make the foods and every dish is Maggie in it. The connections drawn between Maggie, family tradition and culture are not lost on Tunde. Like nostalgia is huge for me, but I'm also just aware of how manufactured this nostalgia is in that these people spent billions of naira or dollars to infiltrate your present in in that past that you're nostalgic for you know and they kept spending and spending and spending and spending you have no choice you have no choice but to be nostalgic this also connects to what nadia shared with me about why maggie was able to be such a powerful brand so there is this way that they commodify nostalgia by providing the convenience of slow-cooked savoriness. They, they kind of co-opt the role of grandma or grandpa in stirring the pot. Altogether, this speaks to the trajectory of Maggie. First, it evoked grandma's cooking through its instant savory flavor. And then, through decades of marketing and global reach, it became grandma's cooking. Now, a favorite dish like jollof rice, traditionally made by simmering rice with tomatoes, might not really taste like home-cooked jollof rice unless Maggie is added. And here's where we come back to Nigeria and Nigerian immigrants, and why this story so interested me in the first place. How exactly did the Maggie Bouillon Cube manage to become so important to both Nigerians in Nigeria and Nigerian immigrants living in the South? Maggie became popular in Nigeria during a very specific moment in its history, a post-colonial moment, when the country was newly independent from British colonialism, and its leaders were trying to develop a unified Nigerian identity from a big and diverse country made up of hundreds of ethnicities and culinary traditions. Though Nestle had been importing its products into the country since at least the early 20th century, it didn't create its own Nigerian subsidiary until just a year after the country's independence. It's this subsidiary that would help produce and popularize Maggie Cubes in the country. In the decades after its independence, Nigeria experienced a petroleum boom and an increase in consumer buying power, motivating Nestle's Nigerian subsidiary to increase its production of bouillon cubes in the country. Nigeria also endured political and economic upheaval displacing millions of Nigerians across the country and driving many to immigrate to America and the UK. This is all to say, the Maggie Cube became popular during a moment when there were big questions as to what it meant to be Nigerian, and corporate marketing stepped in to help tell that story. It also was a moment when Nigerians' lives were changing rapidly. Maybe they were beginning to work in factories and offices, Maybe they were immigrating to big cities like Lagos. Or maybe they were moving across an ocean to go to school or build a life in a new country. All of these conditions made their traditional ingredients a little less available and incentivized the use of a globalized and readily available product like the Maggie Cube. I mean, Nestle is hegemonic, which doesn't have to be a bad thing, but I think in this case, it's not necessarily a great thing. They have like outsized influence, you know, outsized marketing dollars, outsized um, distribution um, networks. 
So they dominate the market and your choice becomes a non-choice. You have to use it if you want to do the thing that you're, that, that you're trying to do. And I think that that is, that is the issue. Their dominance is the issue. For his part, Tunde thinks there should be more choices, especially in North America. So he brought one to market. It's iru, fermented locust beans, one of the traditional ingredients that helps create umami in some Nigerian cuisines. It's sold on burlap and barrel, an online purveyor of spices. The locust beans for Tunde's iru come from Kwara State in Nigeria. In the instructions for use, it recommends that you use iru instead of MSG or bouillon cubes. I actually ordered some and used it in a chicken stew I made the other day, and I can confirm it's really good. But maybe there doesn't have to be a polarity between Maggie and tradition. Back in Marietta, Toyin walks me through how to make her perfect jollof rice. First, you put hot oil in the pan. Then onions, tomato paste, a little water, pepper. You blend all of that together. Then you add the rest of the water and you heat it up. When it's about to be boiled, you put your a secret ingredient, which is not, <laughs> which is the salt, Maggie. But Maggie has to be your food. There's no way you can do it without Maggie. Without Maggie, you can't get your real taste of your food. Mm. Yes. After that, you wash and add your rice to this boiling tomato water and let it cook. And after a while, voila, you have a big, beautiful pot of jollof rice. For Toyin, this is what Nigeria tastes like. Maggie make you feel the taste of Nigeria. Yes, Maggie is a product of Nestle. Yes, some people might prefer alternatives, like Iru. But for her, as a person for whom food is a vital connection to her Nigerian upbringing and culture, something that connects her to other Nigerian immigrants, something that's her work, it just wouldn't be the same without Maggie. Or, at least, it wouldn't taste as good. And the proof, Toyin says is in this bowl of jollof rice. Well, I can 100% sure that if you try, you will get hooked to it. There is no going back. <laughs> Katie Jane Fernelius reported this episode. Together, she and Ishan Thakur produced it. Katie Jane Fernelius is a journalist and producer based in New Orleans, Louisiana. Her reporting is taking her into mega churches, comedy clubs, garbage dumps, and private cities across the world. She also has produced radio for Investigation Discovery, Quartz, BBC World Service, Audible, The Guardian, and elsewhere. She received a Fulbright Fellowship and a BBC Sundance Institute Fellowship. Special thanks for this episode go to Yemisi Arabasala, Nadia Berenstein, Tunde Wei, and Toyan Adeshayo. We thank Wendell Patrick for Gravy's theme music, Jazar for our donor music. We also owe a huge thank you to Clay Jones and Broadcast Studios for recording and mixing gravy. These days, when we pour gravy in your ear, it sounds better than ever, thanks to Clay. Managing Editor for Gravy and all other SFA media is Sarah Camp Milam. Olivia Terenzio is our podcast editor. Fact-checking comes courtesy of Heather Cole. My co-host, Mary Beth Lassiter, is our publisher. Want to learn more about the changing American South? Visit us at southernfoodways.org. Read oral histories, watch films, or listen to this podcast. While you're there, become a member or make a donation. Your dollars fund our work and help us make more gravy. I'm Melissa Hall. I'm Mary Beth Lassiter. Excited to lap up another episode of Gravy? Tell a friend. 
past the gravy boat, there is plenty to go around. Gravy is proud to be a part of APT Podcast Studios.